What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, as we talked about in our last episode today, we are going to be discussing our five predictions across the NHL for the upcoming season. But before we get into that, there's a bit of Sabres news that we have to get to because we are now just one week away from the start of the regular season as the Sabres kick off the season at home against Ottawa and we have some line combinations. Don Granado has indicated that these are pretty close to what we're probably going to end up seeing on opening night. So there's a lot to talk about here, a lot that actually ties into our discussion from the last couple of episodes and talking about guys who we would like to see play together. And one of the big leading points of discussion with regard to these line combinations is the fact that the top line has been broken up. So the line combinations are as follows. Jeff Skinner, with Tage Thompson and Victor Olofsson on the right wing as the first line. Then you have Casey Middlestat in between Jack Quinn and Alex Tuck. Then on the third line, you have Peyton Krebs on the left with Dylan Cousins in the middle and J.J. Paterka on the right. And a fourth line of Gergensons with Asplund moved back to center and Kyle Opozo at right wing with Vinny Hinestros and Anders Bjork and Riley Sheehan rotating in as the extra forwards. So some pretty interesting Line combinations there among the forward groups. What stands out to you? What do you find to be most intriguing among the various changes that we've seen now to the the lineup? Well, I guess to me, it has to be breaking up that first line because I think it's been a while since the Sabres have had really a line that was firing all cylinders. Like sure. They had some combinations that worked with Eichel. You know, he worked well with Reinhardt. He also worked well with Skinner that first year. Well, I mean, like, that's just because you put a superstar with some guys and then you st- stick a really good player in Reinhardt and then Olsen there. It's not the same thing. Tuck, Skinner, and Tage, all awesome years last year, but I felt like the line was better than the some of its parts in some ways. Mm-hmm. And also that they all made each other better and played well off each other. On the other hand, though, I do get it because they are the three best forwards, at least they were last year, and maybe you want to spread the wealth a little bit. And someone like Tuck can really help any line. So... I think Tuck is kind of the kind the, the kind of glue guy that can play with almost any player. So I guess I do get that. And, you know, Tage and Skinner were doing very well at the end of last year, too, or the beginning of last year, I should say. So that's going to be interesting to me. And it's also interesting to see Middlestat so far up the lineup. Yeah. Um, do you think this could be a possibly thing where they're like, all right, Casey, let's see what you got. Otherwise, we're not investing. Yeah, I mean, I think that they are giving him every opportunity now and putting him in the opportunities to succeed here. You know, this is probably this year in general, you know, he's coming into it healthy and just given now that you have Quinn up, you have Paterka, there's a little bit of depth among the top nine there and some flexibility. And this is probably the best forward group that he's going to be playing with to date in terms of the opportunity he's going to get the guys who he's going to be playing with the minutes that he's going to get. And so, you know, as you had mentioned before with talk, obviously Tage and Skinner were both having a good year at the, at the start of last season, but he comes along after he gets healthy after the trade and just completely elevated that line. And I think really elevated Tage too. And so you have to think that the coaching staff is probably looking at middle sad, who was a guy that they really want to see take a step this upcoming year and think, well, if Tuck was able to elevate Tage like this and unlock some of these different areas of his game, let's see if he could do that for Middlestat too. And while we're at it, let's put Jack Quinn there, who is a very, very high ceiling player, a lot of talent with the puck on his stick, especially in front of the net and just that shot that he has that's so lethal and just what an offensive just creator that he has the potential to be. And so you put the three of them together and you have to think that, you know, this year they're really trying to get an idea of what they have in Middlestat and if he's going to be a part of the plan moving forward because at some point or another, something's going to have to give with this top nine and there's going to be some movement that's going to be made and you'd have to think that maybe one or two of these spots are going to be up for grabs that eventually that they'll want to upgrade there because if, you know, if they want to be a, a real contender of a team, they're going to need to, you know, get another really, really quality top six piece in there. And so I think it's great that they're giving Middlestat every opportunity here and, and, a, and a great opportunity at that at the start of the season to really prove what he can do and see what version of this player that we're actually going to get. I want to actually ask you, though, Taylor, what are your thoughts on playing Middlestat at center instead of Krebs, for example, and then that moves Cousins down the line up to the third line? What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that Middlestat should be playing center at the start or should it be Krebs and then you move Cousins up the lineup? I think I think if 
the, their idea is what I was saying about Middlestat, then it makes total sense that they would start the year like this with him. At least give him that last chance, just because he started to look good a couple of years ago after Granado took over, and last year was such a wash with injuries. It was really not a good season to evaluate him. So if that's what they want to do, then I do think it is the right move. Now, and what, you, what you're saying basically is that Cousins – more deserves to be up the lineup than middle step based on what he's shown the last two years. Um, I don't even think it's necessarily that. I think that it's just a matter of is Casey Middlestad actually uh, have the ability to be a, a quality center in the league. And <laughs> well, the that's what we're going to find out. That. You know, is because it, they're giving him really good line mates. If it they doesn't are, work out but like can't this, they be giving him really good line mates playing him on the wing though? Oh, basically, what you're saying is, yeah, I see. Okay, I see what you mean. Well, that's interesting too. Like, why do they? I, I know, obviously, this is going to be an interesting subject going forward because you know if someone is better on the winger at center because Tage is such a drastically different player and had such a big year I would say Tage is an outlier I don't think most guys would have such a, a different impact at one position versus another and but interesting I wonder it is a good point why they would want to make that work with Casey uh well and I center. think the thing too to keep in mind also is that as you're saying with Tage's emergence last year with him playing center the reasons why tage is able to succeed at center are due to his physical attributes and skills which are very different especially in the size department than casey middlestat yeah just a little bit tiny tiny bit yeah it is interesting i don't think we've seen anything from casey in the four or five years he's been around now good lord well that would give you any indication that it's that he's uh are a particularly important player in his own zone. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> that's, that's interesting. It's a big role for a center Fair point. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's interesting, but I really do think this might be just an audition type thing and you might see something totally different if it doesn't work out now, right, which I think is fine. The one last thing I want to ask you about with the forwards too, is the fact that given that it seems like Paterka is going to maybe make the lineup or at least get to play at the start of the year with the Sabres here and playing in the top nine, obviously, as he should be, that then in turn means though that Rasmus Asplund doesn't necessarily have a place in the top nine and they have him move back to center now on the fourth line playing with Gergensons and Opozo. I'm kind of curious your thoughts about that because Asplund is clearly the best defensive forward on this team. And just in terms of what we're obviously seeing night in and night out, but in terms of also his, his uh, underlying impacts. And so what, what are your thoughts on that in terms of, you know, the fact that there is this kind of jam a little bit now in the top nine, assuming Paterka makes a lineup that maybe that takes away from Asplund's ability then to affect a line of more offensively inclined guys who maybe don't have as good as defensive impacts. Yeah, that is, that is an interesting angle because I think Asplund is really a, a really valuable guy last year. And I think you could make some arguments that he might have been their fourth best forward last season. Mm-hmm. At least at very least he was like fifth or best, fifth best or so. It's it's tough to bury a guy like that, but he's also another guy that like he can have success on any line. And there's no reason they still, you know, they couldn't roll these lines and yeah. have them play like a decent amount. But to your point about him playing with low skill guys. Yeah, that's going to be. Well, and it's even, I think more than that. I mean, Opozo obviously last year was able to score 20 goals. That's that's true. He did know who Jorgensen's is and everything, but I think also just, we better now he's played like 800 games. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. But really that he's going to just be kind of used in these, you know, tough matchup situations, which again, that's not to say that Asplund is necessarily like a a scorer or anything, or is going to be racking up points this year, but also though, he's kind of shown that he can contribute. And it seems like he's kind of trending more and more towards being able to contribute. We were talking on a recent episode that that's really going to be the big determining factor in terms of just him taking a step in his game as if he's able to add some offensive production. So to think that they're going to be using him in some of these more like tough matchup situations, these lockdown situations with that fourth line and how Granado's deployed them in the past. It's kind of interesting to see, I mean, for one, how long that's going to stick, but two, I guess, you know, aside from if him and Opozo can maybe develop some chemistry, really how that's going to prevent him. We'll call it maybe from unlocking more of the offensive side of his game. 
Um, but yeah, and so then moving on off of that, though, I just quickly want to get your thoughts on the defensive pairs. Really no surprises. This is what we've been thinking it was going to be all along. The top pair being Matias Samuelson and Darlene. Darlene, again, of course, playing on the right side, which we've been talking about a bit recently. A second pair of Power and Yoki Haru, and a third pair of Bryson and Labushkin. And it seems like it's really coming down to Lawrence Pilot and Casey Fitzgerald for the seventh defenseman spot, which is not necessarily surprising at all. It seemed like it was trajecting, or that was kind of the trajectory of it all along. And I don't know if it's just me, but it kind of feels like maybe Pilot has the inside track on that. What are your thoughts? It does seem like that. Everyone seems really impressed with him and how he's looked in training camp so far. I do wonder about that third pairing, though. You don't need your third pairing to be exciting. But man, Bryson and Lubchuskin, that is negative offense. I don't know about that. I don't mind it, though. I really don't, I don't mind it, it either, I guess. But I'm I, If there's anything that I'm really concerned about here, it's Yoki Haru playing with power again. You know, like this is, is this not what we had gone through with Darlene, where we're having these concerns about Darlene playing with a partner that he has to drag around rather than the Sabres going out and getting a guy that is going to maybe help make him better? Off the yeah, bat. It, it's a good point because p- people assumed Lubchuskin was to was there to play with power as a stay at home guy, not not the the biggest guy that we expected. It's not Which our number one see, choice. So we we may still see that too for all yeah. we know. Who knows? Um, it is weird to see Yoki Haru with power. Yoki Haru was uh, an abject disaster last year, just really really awful, and it really didn't matter who he was playing with. Yeah, and like he's been paired with Dalian in the past, that hasn't worked out. So it's just weird to see him. Power is such an important player for the franchise going forward. I don't know why they're they're doing this, but like what I was going to say about the Bryson Lubushkin thing is, it's like, the, I guess it really depends what kind of forwards they're out there with because you don't need them to make like the awesome pass uh, in the zone or like to contribute like a powerful booming shot from the blue line or anything like that. You don't need them to be Kale McCarr, but I guess what you need them to do is to start the breakout. Yeah. And if yeah. they can do that, then that they're doing enough. But I, I would honestly not be surprised if that's like a duo that combines for 14 points if they play together all year. Right. I just think, though, that Labushkin is kind of the ideal person to play with Bryson just because Bryson, you know, he's a smaller defenseman, of course. What does he have that works for him, though? He's a good skater. We know that. He is pretty all right in transition, too. And I think that having a guy like Labushkin there that is just so defensively inclined and damn good at it too. Just not like he, you know, yeah, he's abysmal on offense, but he's going to be able to lock it down back there and maybe take a little bit of pressure off of Bryson so that Bryson maybe can, you know, skate the puck up the ice a little bit more or just be able to be the one to really kind of lead again, like the transition game and making those key first passes, like we're talking about to get the puck out of the zone. And even when the puck is in the offensive zone too, and again, just, as we're talking more and more about just the in transition there that Bryson can be a little bit more aggressive to know that he has that safety valve of Labushkin back there. You know, I think it's, we're still kind of trying to figure out what Bryson is, I guess, in terms of like what maybe the best version of him can be at the NHL level. I I think we know probably generally speaking what his ceiling is, but I think playing him with a guy like Labushkin that is such a stay at home type of guy is going to really help you understand fully what you have there and unlock anything, I guess, kind of deep down there in Bryson that there might be to, to grow that game a little bit. I don't know. Do you, do you feel the same way or do you feel like you kind of just like know what Bryson is and that this is, this is just going to be what it is. I think he kind of is what he is. I mean, we'll see. It's not impossible, but how old is he? Like 24? 24, yeah. So I was looking at his stats right now. Oh, he's turning 25 soon. Good for you, Jacob. Uh, Yeah, 19 points in 111 games. Not the best guy, but he's an NHL player. And you haven't been able to say that about a ton of non-first-round draft picks. He's a fourth-rounder. Yeah. uh, In uh, I believe that was was that Botchel's first draft. Good for you, Jason. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Bryson, I think... He's solid. No real complaints about him. But yeah, you're not getting, I just looked, he has two goals in 111 games. He has 19 points. Like you're not getting anything that significant out of him. And Lepchushkin's also been around a while. Yeah. I mean, you know, what do you, what do we think? Like if you could have, I guess, from a point perspective, again, given that Bryson's going to be this third pairing guy, he's not going to really see any power play minutes. 
would you say like what would you say like over 15 points this year is like a massive success for him that'd be great yeah 15 yeah. points would be nice so i i wanted to bring up one other thing so with the, the possibility of paterka making the team mm-hmm. that's i completely forgot to bring this up earlier that should have been my answer for the first thing uh that's really interesting it says a lot about paterka's development if he impresses enough to make the team this year for especially sure. because they they did not plan for that they didn't plan for him to make the team. Nope. It's, it was very evident because not only did they bring back Henestroza, they, they do that and you're like, okay, he's a vibes guy. If Paterka's good enough, he's the 13th forward. And you think at that point, you're thinking to buy out Bork. They don't. They keep Bork. Right. Bjork, not Bork, Jesus. Bork, Bork. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Supreme Court nominee Robert Bjork. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be like five people who get that. So they do that. And it's like, huh, they still have Bjork on the team. And then in the middle of the offseason, they add Riley Shane and it's like, what the hell is this? Right. Not on an AHL deal. And it's like, are they really that unconfident? Is someone hurt or something? And now and that, it's like, oh, that go directly ahead. goes back to Asplund getting moved to center too. I think, I don't think that was in their plans necessarily. No, I don't think so either. So, so now it's like you have three extra forwards. Yeah. That Paterk is up. Cause uh, Bjork, Bjork, Shane and, uh, Vinny, Vinny, Vin, Vinhen won't be in. So that's interesting. Cause I actually don't know the, the rule for how many guys you can carry. Like you dress, you dress your 20. They're going to, one of those guys is going to, I don't, is going to have to get put on waivers. Cause you I mean, not carry... as, obviously if, it, if Paterka ends up going down a second, but of those three, I think all three of them would definitely need to go through waivers. Bjork. So, um, but can you only bring three extra guys to sit in the box? Correct. So you need one of those to be a defenseman and that'll be either pilot or Casey Fitzgerald. Yes. So yeah, that's, it's, it's really wild. I don't want to say poor planning, maybe more so that, you know what? Screw it. Keeping Bjork is poor planning. I know it's hard to agree. Terry in a year where they're kind of, you know, they, they're not really going to spend the cap anyway. And they're pretty close to the floor. I get it to convince Terry to eat some money for no reason for a guy that's not going to play, but you could just tell him, Whatever he might just go to Rochester, right? He probably would. Who's picking up his contract? Who wants this guy? I mean, are you? Are we? Well, and I think the other side of that too, which leads directly into the point that you're trying to make, is: Are we really that surprised that Paterka is doing this? No, because last year in camp, people wanted him to make right the team, and there just wasn't room. And And then he went down, and he lived. He absolutely lived up to the hype too when he went down. Yeah. Oh, he was awesome, and. And if you looked at Rochester last year, you're, the, you're most impressed with Quinn and then Krebs for the time he was up to. That was relatively brief. But then Paterka's right there. Paterka, if he wasn't with Quinn, we'd be talking about it as one of the best prospect seasons we've had in Rochester in years. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because we've had so many guys where just look at Rochester and it's like, why do you have like half a point a game? He's a middle stat <laughs> in, in the AHL. Right. Hey, Alex Nylander, what are you doing? Why do you have seven goals? It's March. <laughs> but so we're going to get to our predictions, I think, unless you have something else to. No, to that's do. really about should, it. Uh, yeah. So let's hear from our sponsor right before we go to predictions uh, real quick. So, folks, hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. So, looking at the uh, the upcoming uh, slate, I think one bet I would really like, you like last time I told you it's a good idea to bet on the Sabres against Ottawa. You know what? Maybe I look at his Tage goal. Tage just looked really solid when he's been out there. For the Sabres obviously hasn't been out there every night for you know it's preseason that's not what you do but maybe Tage Gold that could be an interesting bet I don't know what kind of odds you would get on that but you got about a week to do it so pick it under consideration do it up and if uh if that wasn't enough you can turn small bets into big bet into big payouts with same game parlays combine multiple bets like which team will win the Sabres how many goals will be scored seven and more for your shot and even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN 
at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. All right. Uh, so we have five predictions like we did last year. We did uh, last week. We did our five predictions about the Sabres. And these are our five league wide predictions. So, Brendan, do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah, I will. So mine is about a team that uh, was all over the headlines this off season and not necessarily for the right reasons. It's uh, team Canada hockey. <laughs> Close the Calgary flames. Uh, yes. So my prediction is about Calgary. I am going to predict that not only is Calgary this season going to hit 100 points, they are also going to make the second round of the playoffs. Hmm. I think even though they lost Gaudreau and Kachuk, which are two big losses, I still think considering the fact that they play in the Pacific and that you replace those losses with guys like not only on the offensive side of things, Jonathan Huberto, as well as Nazim Kadri, but then on top of that, you add Mackenzie Wieger into the mix, who is a legitimate top four defenseman who did wonders for that blue line in Florida and really flourished there. And now you put him in a position where he's playing with a, a now pretty solid blue line in Calgary there and keeping Jacob Markstrom into the mix as well. I'm going to say hundred points and they will win around in the playoffs at least. That's, so that's a, uh, it's an interesting one. I was looking at the athletics predictions, their advanced stats guy, Dom Lucasian. Uh He had Calgary having the second most points this year wow and and most points in the west which some of that must be a schedule thing because the pacific could be bad to your point i think uh the they won the pacific last year i don't think there's anyone that's clearly going to pass them the the oilers are kind of uh making a a bet on goaltending you would say Mm -hmm. uh they have not been consistent to say the least for a long time i think they're going to be decent and they'll be a playoff team but who knows the kings Surprised last year, they fall back. Do, do some of their prospects finally shine a little bit more? Yeah, help the the other players they have. But or does Quick fall off a little bit after how good he was last year? Quick Kopitar, Dowdy, not young guys. Interesting. Vancouver is super mid. Seattle will be better, but like how much better? Vegas. That's the interesting one. And I don't know. I think their goaltending is super suspect, and they got worse. They did indeed, but they do have Phil Kessel now. You can never underestimate the power of Phil. The, well, the team that had Phil Kessel last year had like 57 points. So You know what? Touche. What's your first <laughs> prediction? <laughs> um, it's not a happy one. Good. Uh, so I was thinking about who's going to win the East this year. And I bought well, Toronto laughable. They're never winning the East. Get out of here. Boston's gotten older and they, they really haven't been to a conference final uh, since they won the or since they lost the cup in 2019. They're they're older and also injured. Tampa Bay can't literally can't do it a fourth time in a row. That's ridiculous. The idea that the Rangers are going to take the next step is laughable to me. I think they're going to take a step back. So who could step up? I took looked at last year for evidence. Nothing's going to change that crazy. The Capitals got better, but they're getting older. The Penguins kind of standing pat, but their goaltending's back. They'll both be solid. But I'm I'm going to skip that. Also, Florida got worse in my opinion. I mean, they couldn't get better. They got 122 points last year, but Florida will be good again, but I'm not picking them. I'm picking the team that would have been in the conference finals facing a tired Tampa Bay team had they not had both their goaltenders injured. That is the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, okay. I am picking them to come out of the East. Uh, I know they've gotten kind of embarrassed in the playoffs a few times. This last year was not really one of them. I mean, both of ridiculous thing to remember, but, the Rangers won both their first two playoff series in seven games, despite the fact that both of the other teams were playing their third string goalie. Yeah. So one of those teams was Carolina. Frederick Anderson had been good all year. Uh, but yeah, so Carolina, unfortunately, I have coming out of the East. They're, okay. they're very good and they probably got better. Yeah. They, oh, they maybe they treaded water, but like they didn't get worse, I don't think. I think they, they definitely got. I mean, look at the additions Brent Burns and Max Petretti. That's. Yeah, actually, that, that is better because they only lost put some points up. They lost D'Angelo, right? Uh, who's mid? What a shame. They lose anyone else? They already lost Trocek. I'm pretty sure. Not Trocek. Who am I thinking of? Yeah, no, you're right. Trocek. Yeah, they did lose him. Well, anyway, what's yeah. your second one? 
All right. My second one is about former first overall pick Jack Hughes. His career high in points to date is 56 and 49 games, which was this past season. His second year last year, he put up 31 and 56. In his rookie year, he put up 21 and 61. Taylor, I'm going to predict that Jack Hughes is going to score 90 points, over 90 points this year, if healthy, over the course of the full season. Wow. What a coincidence. My second prediction is also about Jack Hughes. Was it really? What's yours? Mine is that Jack Hughes will finish second in heart voting. Wow. That is way more. uh, You know, here's mine. Holy Jesus. Here's well, here's my reasoning. But first of all, he has to be healthy. He was on pace for 93 points last year when he got hurt. Yeah, he could be better. The Devils could be better. Here's what I think would happen. He's a hundred point guy. The Devils Mm -hmm. finally make the playoffs. And there's a little bit of fatigue when it comes to McDavid and Matthews, who are the only other guys that step up, except the Hart Trophy winner, Kel McCarr. Hey, I like that. I, I have Kel McCarr actually for one of my predictions. Yeah, I think, yeah. Well, is it your third one? I or, can be. Uh, no, that's all right. I just was wondering. But yeah, no, so I'm that's, it. <laughs> I think Jack Hughes is the, well, hockey fan, like I think most hockey fans know that, or people that really pay close attention have been looking at that. I think going into last year, people were excited. His all his mm-hmm. all around numbers improved, and then it's like, whoa, he's scoring at over a point a game. Unfortunately, got hurt. So if he's healthy this year, if he was a former first overall pick, he should yeah, be, he should I be mean, a hundred point guy, hundred point guy if he's healthy. And and look, I mean Taylor Hall won MVP because he helped a shitty team to make the playoffs in a weird year. Yeah, people didn't want to vote for McDavid because he missed the playoffs. Like yeah, Matthews has the same season he had last year. Is he really just going to win MVP again? I don't know, man. A lot of Fair it's question. not not very uh, common to win MVP two years in a row. I think Ovechkin was the last guy to do it. Okay, yeah, no, I think you're right. Wow, no, that's fair. I like that. That's a that's a that's a hot one. All right, well, my Cal McCarr one is going to be, and I guess this would also probably lead to him winning the heart. He's going to hit 100 points this year. He is. Going to be the guy to do it. I know it's a crazy, uh, I mean, I guess you could say, I don't know how crazy you want to call it, but it's ambitious at least. Uh, Roman Yossi was very close last year. I believe he hit, what, 96 on the way there. And I think that with that being said, Cal McCarr is going to be the first defenseman since Brian Leach in 91-92 when he had 102 points to hit 100 points in a season wow. Norris and MVP let's throw them all in there why not well yeah, if he went, he's gonna win both and a defenseman hasn't we should say this hasn't won the uh heart in 20 years mm-hmm. so that'll be I think it's gonna happen I also think going into the season people are gonna think of him like he just won the the art not the art Ross the uh Con Smythe Con Smythe and Colorado's going to be good again, but probably not as good because their goaltending is kind of shaky at this point. I think very shaky much ground so. with that, and they couldn't probably be as good as last year anyway. So they're going to go through the season, and he's going to be an important part of them. They're not going to be like a fringe playoff team. They probably still win their division, but there's going to be a lot of talk about him stepping up and being a leader. And I think there might be some some manufactured consent about is he the best player in hockey? Mm. And I, th- I could see the narrative coming together, even though he. I'm not saying he won't deserve it. He probably will deserve it. But yeah, to me, super interesting. A season coming up from him. 100%. What do you got next? I have uh, another hot take on the awards. Vesna Trophy winner, Ilya Sorokin. Wow. No way. That is a hot one. The hot, the one people have been really on is UC Saros winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really I like the idea of uh, kind of bucking that trend, but not doing it in a weird way. His numbers have been really good. And I think the only way this actually works is he leads the Islanders to like the last playoff spot. Yeah, well, that's like what a, I was going to say. He would have to make the playoffs. For yeah, him to... you have to. Yeah. He has to be like a 927 or something like that. Make the playoffs. Uh, and wow, Taylor, this is a big one. Yeah. But is them making the last playoff spot that crazy? No, but him him winning the Vesna, I think, is even though his numbers have been great. I mean, that's just that's a big one. Wasn't he fifth last year? He was up there. I do know that, but again, just 
taking into consideration the guys who are at the top of that list right now. I mean, he was sixth last year. Let's see who was he have to pass. He would. So Shesterkin won. Hmm. And winning two years in a row, like I said, not easy. Voters get sick of you quick. Markstrom no, was two, uh, but Markstrom was on a playoff team. He actually had a worse save percentage. UC Saros was three. UC Saros, you know, great. Anderson, four. I don't see Anderson repeating the season, even though he's going to be pretty good. Vasilevsky, does he get tired at some point? And then you have Sorokin, who had a 925 save percentage last year. Yeah, you, yeah hey. He's coming into his, uh, his age 27 season. The world's his. I like that. I like the aggression there. Well, I'm going to stick with the Eastern Conference then for my next one. And this, I guess, would buck what you were just trying to say about the Islanders. But my prediction is the exact same teams who made it to the playoffs from the Eastern Conference last year are going to make it again this year. Yeah, that makes sense. Not super bold, but that's, again, like Islanders – them not doing enough. Same thing with the Red Wings and Senators really not doing enough there. I think obviously like some of the lesser teams, we all know the the likelihood there, but yeah, not, not, not super breaking. I, I saved my big one. I, I have a, maybe like a very, very hot one. That would be pretty wild if this ends up happening for my last one, but I'll let you do your next one. All right. Uh, my fourth one is one that's related to something that you said earlier a little bit. The okay. two teams that'll fall off the most point wise Ooh. In both conferences, the Rangers and the Flames. And I should, uh, I guess, say as a caveat here, I think they're both still going to be pretty good. Okay. But I don't really see huge drop-offs coming. Last year is weird in that there wasn't really a team that's like, oh, oh boy, this is this team's full of shit. They're going to drop off, except one team in particular, the Nashville Predators, who, one, they didn't have that many points to start with. Two, UC Saros is still good. In three, they actually got they, and they picked up McDonough, right? Yep. So like that's pretty good. That's a that's a good addition. And they're they're trying to win still. Can we actually just say quickly, did you see that video how great that was of uh Cody Glass making finding out that he made the roster? I didn't see that. Oh, dude, I retweeted it. Go watch it. It's so oh, okay. good. He, of course, you know, sixth overall pick to out of they're going to Vegas in the 2017 draft. Obviously, very highly touted player. He's had some concussion issues, ups and downs between, uh, you know, playing in the AHL and then getting some time here and there on the NHL and really wasn't able to stick. And he made the Predators roster out of camp and they shared a really great video of David Poley. Uh, in the office telling him that he made the team and you he's just like so overcome with emotion in the video and it's it's really really good stuff like he's he's tearing up a bit and is like like apologizing because of how just like overwhelmed he is and everything it's it's very good highly highly recommend if you check it out it's on my uh on my twitter i think i like quote tweeted it uh, a couple days ago Okay, yeah, I'm just I just saw it now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna save that for after the pod. Yeah, yeah that's another thing. David Poley makes me think of why the Predators aren't gonna drop off because uh, he's old and he wants to win a cup. He's the mm. winningest GM of all time, and he's only been to two cups and he's lost both of them. But more to the point of the guys, the guys I was actually talking about, the Rangers. I mean, you're not gonna get that kind of season out of Shesterkin again, and they're banking on their young guys getting significantly better. And you guys, if you listen to this podcast, you can color me skeptical about their two recent high draft picks. One guy in particular with the initials KK, not a not a believer in that fellow at all. Uh, the Flames, that one's obvious. Like they had two 100-point scores that are gone. They added a 100-point score from last year in Huberto. I actually think Huberto is the third best player of those 100-point guys. But he's still a 100-point guy. So he's good. No complaints about Huberto. And the Mackenzie Uyghurs, Mackenzie Weger is good too. That's yeah. not a bad addition, but if that's a net loss to me, their goaltending uh, Markstrom will be good. He will not be as good as he was last year. They fall off a little bit, but they'll still be good. All uh, right. I'm bucking the advanced stats on that one. Hey, that's all right. That's all right. I think that that's, that's, that's definitely a fair one. I mean, I don't think that that's too uh, out of line to think. Yep. All right. So what's your fifth one? All right, my fifth one I saved, I think, what might be my boldest one. So this past season, there were four guys who scored 50 goals. Who were they? They were, let me pull it up again really quick. I just had it before. Dreisaitl, Matthews, Kreider? 
Yep. And then uh Jeff Skinner. Yes. No, uh this is I should really know this. I, hmm. Was it of down Ovechkin? Ovechkin didn't get to 50. No, it was. Ovechkin hit 50. Yeah. Oh, okay. Matthew Let's... 60, uh Drysdale had 55, Kreider 52, and Ovechkin had 50. Oh, he was fourth, but mm-hmm. he's fallen way off. Yeah, 50. How embarrassing. Good lord. Four well, overall. So my prediction though, there were four guys who hit 50 goals last year. I'm going to say, Taylor, that next year in the 2022-2023 season, that number is going to double. Whoa. I think that there are going to be eight guys next year who are going to be able to hit 50 goals. And let me tell you why, because there was a lot of guys who hit 40 last year and guys who got pretty close. Okay. Kirill Kaprizov had 47 goals. That's the first guy I thought of. Kyle Connor had 47. Wow. Yeah. McDavid had 44. He could do it. Duchesne had 43, which there's going to be regression there. Stamkos had 42. Maybe. Maybe. Matthew Kachuk had 42, playing him with Barkov now, and maybe Sam Reinhart, too. Yeah, that's, that's, a, there. that's a possibility. Philip Forsberg had 42 in 69 mm. games. But what did he shoot? Didn't he shoot like 25%? What did he shoot? Where are we here? Taylor. He shot. Wait, let me see. Is this actually. No, that can't be it. Hold on. What was his shooting percentage last year? I'll go back to it and find out. Jason Robertson, though, he had 41 in 74 games. DeBrinket had 41. Goudreau had 40. Gensel had 40. Pasternak had 40. And what was a down year for him? I think of that group, four of those guys should be able to. I think Kaprizov is... I I don't know if Kreider is going to hit 50 again. I'd be surprised if he did. But I think Matthews, Dreisaitl, and Ovechkin absolutely can maybe Kreider does again too who knows Kaprizov I think can I think McDavid can maybe Stamkos I think Kachuk definitely can uh Elias Lindholm I forgot to mention him he had 42 last year Robertson DeBrincat I mean there's the possibility of Tage Thompson scoring 75 next year so we don't even yeah, uh, you gotta consider know. Tage so Forsberg shot 18.9 percent uh, but he's t- he took so many more shots than he normally would yeah but so if he, it's volume possible. shooting there you go possibility uh i could see it well there's no reason to do these predictions unless they're at least somewhat bold well that's why i wanted to do so i feel like my other ones were relatively mild so i wanted to go all out for this last one all right all right taylor lay it on me what is your final prediction all right so you thought two of my previous predictions were wild buddy you haven't seen anything yet Uh here's here's one it's my stanley cup prediction this team is gonna beat carolina in the stanley cup so the uh, West, right? I'm okay. not picking Colorado. I know it's actually become more uh, common recently to see teams go back to the cup two years in a row. And now we've had two teams that have won it twice in a row in recent years. Boring, not going for it. And I don't respect their goaltending. The rest of the West, not good. Look at the Western Conference last year. I'm going to pick Edmonton. I'm supposed to trust them. I think Calgary got not. worse. I think Vegas is, this era is done. They're not winning. St. Louis, would be a respectable pick, but I'm not going for any of those teams. I'm going for the Arizona. I'm just kidding. I'm going for the Minnesota wild. Wow. And let me explain here, folks. Here's why. Oh man. Let me tell you a couple of tree things. First of all, they have been really good in the regular season. The past couple of years, like really good. They've lost in the first round of the playoffs both times. Obviously. Second thing, Taylor, well, I'll say this. When I say the first thing, they've had the point total of a team that wins the cup. Second, they scored a ton of goals last year. They scored – they, them, Colorado, and St. Louis were almost identical in the amount of goals they scored. Minnesota can score. Yeah. Three, number three, Kaprizov's a superstar. He's the kind of guy that can be the best forward on the team that wins the Stanley Cup. There's no doubt about that. And the fourth thing is you're saying – Yes, of course they can get a lot of points in the regular season. Maybe they can even make it conference finals. But when it comes to their roster construction, their strength is their depth. That's great for a while, but they don't have the the top line you can put out there and dominate. They don't have the star power that Colorado and Tampa Bay have had and Pittsburgh in the recent past and even Washington, any of these other teams. To that, I would say, true. Normally, that's how it goes. But that's not a hard and fast rule. 2019 St. Louis is a great example. 
that's a that's the example to me in recent years of a team that's like they don't have super duper stars they have a good solid team and they don't have anyone that's really bad on the ice so minnesota yes their strength is their their depth so how do you win the cup in that case and here's how i think they do it because st louis's way is really hard i think they won three game sevens here's how you would do it if you wanted to do it the minnesota way you're going to have to win a game seven at some point that's normally how it goes but who is their goalie <laughs> Mark on, you're, doing the, you're doing the wind horse thing right now. I want to let you go. <laughs> you Mark Andre Fleury. Pointer fingers up. I'm letting you, I'm right. letting you roll with it. Mark Andre Fleury is their goalie. Now, Brendan, what other teams has Mark Andre Fleury been the goaltender for? Um, the Vegas Golden Knights. That's right. No one else is coming to mind. The, the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> and yes, they both had some success. You might be thinking, wow. Remember that whole era for like five years in a row when Flurry was so bad in the playoffs, he was unplayable and got benched for like a 38-year-old Thomas Vokun? Yes, I do remember that. I also remember that in his first playoff run with Pittsburgh, his first deep run, when they lost the cup to Detroit, he was incredible. He was good enough when they won in 09, and not much good to say about the rest of his Pittsburgh run. He was a backup when they won those other two cups. Uh, he was pretty good in the 2017 playoffs when he had to play. But anyway, he goes in 2018 to Vegas – and he was hurt for a decent amount of the regular season. It was good when he was healthy. The playoffs, he was lights out until the Stanley Cup. He was incredible. So if you want to be a team that doesn't have star power in hockey that advances in the playoffs, one way to do that, to, to circumvent that, is to just have an awesome goalie. He can be like that kind of guy for you. Sure. And, of course, he fell apart in the Cup last time, and he's even older now. <laughs> he's, like, almost 40. But – they have Kaprizov could be even better. They don't have a bad player in their lab. They they put six good defensemen out there every night. They put 12 good forwards. They don't play bad bullshit players like a lot of teams do that do have star power. So, yes, you got to have a little bit of both. But I think this is the, the year where I, Tampa has to just be tired a little bit. And, uh, yeah, Minnesota is going to – they're going to take down Carolina. Damn, Taylor. That's – that's not too bad. That's a good one. I like that. All right. Minnesota Carolina Stanley Cup. Yeah. That's a random one. True. All right, folks. Now that we've done all our predictions, who's ready for a quick quiz? Oh, I forgot we were doing the quiz. All right. I'm ready. All right. I'm going to grab a pen real quick. I can't wait. Yeah, we uh we're gonna have to really do our part and bring back quizzes this year. I, I gotta say, I feel like I don't know, Taylor. I feel like over the summer, we usually do a lot of quizzes and stuff, and we really didn't do many this uh, this summer, so we got to load up on them now Now that we're back into the season. Yeah, we should have done more in the summer, but yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I like to do the 15-minute episodes in the summer. Um, so here, here we go. This is an easy one because we did it last year, but it's going to be a lot of different answers. Who coaches my team? Oh, God. Say a team and who coaches them? Buddy, there has been a lot of turnover. Lucky for you, we're going to start easy. This is in order of most experience to least. I have to name every coach in the NHL. But I'm going to give you the team. You just say their coach. Oh, dude, this is going to be bad. I Or just uh, say I don't know for some of them, I guess, because some of these, man, there are a lot of new coaches. You know how many coaches started um, the 2018-19 season with their team? Uh, that are still on there? Yeah. I'll say like 10. Four. Come on. Yeah. All right. Who's Tampa Bay's coach? Uh, John Cooper. Okay. Who is Pittsburgh's coach? Pittsburgh. Uh, it's not Sullivan anymore, right? Well, uh, just a hint real quick. We're going in order of most to least experienced. Of most to least. Oh, it is Sullivan then. Yeah, Mike Sullivan. Okay. It's got to still be him. Colorado. Colorado is Jared Bednar. Carolina. Rod Brindamore. St. Louis. Uh, 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 Craig Berube? That's right. Yeah. The Los Angeles Kings. L.A. is Todd McClellan. Yep. The Ottawa Senators. Ottawa's D.J. Smith. That's right. The Anaheim okay. Ducks. Anaheim is Dallas Egan. Yep. Yeah. Tor Toronto. Toronto is uh, Sheldon Keefe. Chief Keefe. Chief uh, Keefe. Nashville. 
oh god is it la or no no is it laviolette or no laviolette's somewhere else now isn't he yeah he's not he's he's on here who oh dude i know who it is who is it i'm i'm blanking john hines john hines damn okay Forgettable guy minnesota dean evanson right yep the new jersey devils our dear dear boy lindy ruff for now washington <laughs> sad but true um washington is laviolette then right yep calgary daryl sutter buffalo donnie meatballs can't believe he's in the middle of the pack that's so weird yeah, he's directly in the middle. All right, uh, Columbus. Oh, I legitimately have no idea. Brad Larson. Good for him. Apparently played a good while in the NHL. The New York Rangers. The Rangers are uh, Gerard Gallant. Seattle, Kraken. That would be Mr. Dave Haxtall, right? Yep. Arizona. Oh, this is a rough one. When... <laughs> Who is Arizona? Oh, it's somebody from Montreal, right? Um... Andre Tourney? Yeah, I think that's how you say it. Is it, is it Tourney, right? Tourney? Yep. I think that's right. Uh, Vancouver. Oh. Uh... Oh, Bruce Boudreaux. Jesus Christ. Yep. Montreal. Montreal, Martin St. Louis. Edmonton. Uh, boy. Who is Edmonton's coach? I actually don't know if I know this one. Yeah, I feel like he hasn't gotten much praise considering he took over and then they went to the conference final. Right. It's Jay Woodcroft. Jay Woodcroft. Okay, yeah. All right, now we're starting with the guys who haven't coached a game with their team yet. You will not believe how many of them there are. Right. Uh, the New York Islanders. Islanders is uh, Lane Lambert. That's right. Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas is, what's his name, who they just got from Boston, uh, the Bruce Cassidy. Yep. Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> Torts. <laughs> it is. Uh Dallas. Dallas. Who went to Dallas? Uh... Oh, Pete DeBoer, right? Didn't you go there? That's right. Florida. Oh, they just hired somebody because they let Burnett walk. Paul Maurice. That's correct. Horrible signing that was. Ugh. That's tough. Chicago. Luke Richardson, right? Who has an unbelievably long NHL career. I was not aware that he's played like 1,500 games in the NHL. Yeah, like LA and Arizona, right? A bunch of teams. I think he played yeah. He, I think he played for like five teams, but wow. yeah, forever. He was in the NHL from when he was a teenager and then when he was 40. Would not have guessed that. That's insane. Uh, Detroit. Uh, will I know? Should I know this one? Uh, no. I feel like I'm gonna know the name when you say it, but who is it? Derek Lalonde. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really mad that I missed that one, but I think I kind of knew that. Uh, Boston. Uh, who's the jabroni they just hired? Uh. I only say that because it's Boston and just the general. Uh, oh, didn't they get Jim Montgomery? Did they hire yeah, him? Yeah, they did. Wow. They did. Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Uh, not Paul Maurice. No. Um, it's going to be another one where it's just like, I know the guy is like the coach when you say it, but it's just like a name that's just forgettable. 
Um, who is it? Rick Bonus. Bonus. You could be forgiven uh, for thinking, wow, there's no way they would hire uh, another uh, ancient moron who's been around yeah. forever and never won anything. <laughs> You'd be mistaken. Winnipeg did exactly that. Uh, uh, last strategy. one. Yeah, last one. San Jose. The San Jose Sharks. David Quinn. That's right. I can't believe they brought him back. That was one I did not know or remember. Yep. Uh, so these like 10 new coaches this year that just got hired. Uh-huh. Quite a few retreads. Cassidy, Torch, DeBoer, yeah. Maurice, uh, Montgomery, Bonus, Quinn, all of them. Uh, I think Lalonde is the first timer. I think Richardson is. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Lane Lambert definitely is because people always talked about him. Yeah. As a one. So that's seven of the 10 being retreads. How many did I get all together? Did you count? Yeah, you got 27 of the 32. Oh, damn. That's pretty solid. I'll take that. Yeah, that is good. Is it good? Uh, yeah, that's so. That's it then. You know who wasn't on this list? Mm, Ralph Kruger. True. I was gonna say the reigning Jack Adams winner. Oh, that 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 too. Yeah. Man, that's, that's... You, you think it's next year he gets hired, or how how do you think it's gonna play out for him? What a interesting. Oh, I I think I know exactly how it's gonna play out for him. What first team that fires their coach in the season hires him? No, I think yeah. Well, yes, and it, luckily it's the team he's behind the bench for already. Oh, Florida or not Florida? Um, New Jersey. I think it's a good chance. So my thought is, if uh, I, on, I like I said, in Lindy. Yeah, like I said, I I think that they have a year where they like can get to like the eight seed. That's going to depend on Blackwood, and if that happens, Hughes wins. Not just win. Hughes gets a bunch of heart votes. Yeah. If that doesn't happen, but they start slow, Lindy's the first coach out. Oh yeah, I mean I think that's fair. It was even a question this summer if he was going to even survive. Definitely. And it's, it's interesting though. Cause I, I don't actually know who else could get fired this year. Too many coaches got fired last year. You know, I'm looking at this now. Brunette did not win the Jack Adams last year. Daryl Sutter. In the top three. He was a finalist. Okay. Uh, Jack Adams finalist. But yeah. I forgot Sutter won. Well yeah. deserved by Sutter. Brunette could have sure. won it too. Uh, anyway, that's, so that's, uh, yeah, it's looking at this list of coaches, like unless there's a scandal, none of those 10 are getting fired. Woodcross, probably not. San Luis, Boudreaux, Terrinier, or how do you say his name? Haxtell, Gallant. These guys aren't getting fired. I don't know who could get fired. Like, maybe if Pittsburgh misses the playoffs, they move on. No Sullivan. But midseason firings? I see Doesn't rough. I feel like it. I see, like, maybe if someone starts, you know, someone like Carolina has a weirdly bad start. I don't think they'd have. Maybe they do it. But, like, yeah, it's... What about McClellan in L.A.? What if they completely flounder? That's a possibility. McClellan's a possibility. Dallas Aikens is a possibility, but I don't – why would you do that midseason? I don't – Yeah, it probably doesn't make sense to that soon during the year. Yeah, and the other one I would keep an eye on is if – because sometimes you get fired because your goalie stinks. And if Grubauer has a tough start and Washington isn't good, do they move on from LaViolette? It's be year three or four for him or whatever it is. I mean – uh, or not Grubauer. Uh, who's playing goalie for them? For who? Washington? Yeah. Darcy Kemper, they just brought in. Kemper, not Grubauer. Kemper. Yeah. Yeah. Same Grubauer thing. is Grubauer's in Seattle, right? Yeah. Two former Colorado goalies. Yeah. And Grubauer used to play for Washington. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, Darcy Kemper, if Darcy Kemper comes in and is just not as good as he was last year, they could be playoff bubble team yep and at that point do they want to move on no that's an interesting one but i mean a lot of these they just don't seem very likely to me no i, I definitely agree it doesn't feel like this is going to be a year where we're going to see a lot of coaching changes aside from maybe new jersey but i really hope lindy can hang on and make it work there yeah same it'd be good one last hurrah for him before yeah. he rides off <laughs> probably just gets hired again because that's uh how the nhl does this right yeah, he'll get a good assistant job somewhere. Yeah, probably. What's your recommendation, Taylor? Uh, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of stuff recently, so I should have one. What do you got? Mm, looking now. Let's see. I recommended this one uh, last week, so maybe I, I dig deep for recommendation. Let's see. Dig deep within, Taylor. Yeah, what's the scary movie people should watch? Well, uh, you know what? Maybe I didn't do this one. 
did I do Night of the Living Dead on Monday's episode? Yeah, you definitely talked about or I remember you talking about it that it was yeah on during like TV shows and movies and stuff that people are watching it. Yeah, yeah, it's because there's no copyright claim. Uh, anyway, uh, so I'm going to do a different one instead. I'm going to say, since it's spooky season, I'll do a fun one for you. So some people that uh, are into the funny stuff, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, great, great movie, great time. Very, um, I'm, I, but by saying I'm, it's funny, I'm not saying it's not scary because it can be scary too and gruesome, but it's it's a good one, underrated one. And I think it people will kind of look, o- look over because some of the acting is kind of meh. And the writing, the dialogue, I should say, can also be kind of meh, like in the way that an 80s horror sequel would be. Right. But it's uh, I think there's a lot to like there between the characters, what they try to do with the plot. Uh, Freddy Krueger, very scary guy, the scary imagery, the dream stuff. There's a lot of like with all that stuff. And also like it's Wes Craven wrote it, didn't direct it. But a lot of the night nightmare stuff, Nightmare on Elm Street, all that other nightmare stuff on Elm Street stuff uh, in the sequel sucks. It's because Wes Craven wasn't around. The first, he made the first one in his vision. Second one, no involvement. It's fine. Third one, he co-wrote it and it's good. And then like four, five, five, six bullshit. And then boom, I'm back to make Wes Craven's new nightmare and uh, kick off a uh, low-key change to the genre. Mm-hmm. And then and then uh, kicks it off to himself with Scream and returned it for a touchdown. That metaphor makes sense. It's pretty late. Brendan, what's your recommendation? <laughs> I'm going to go with an album for mine. I'm going to go with Band on the Run by Wings. Uh, I was reminded earlier when back in college, I was lucky enough to meet Denny Lane, who was the co-founder of Wings with Paul and Linda McCartney. He came to Fredonia and I ended up at an event winning a signed copy. Well, him signing it. I wish Paul and Linda too, but it was just signed by him. But again, still like the dudes in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, of their live album Wings Over America, which is really great. But Band on the Run is, in my opinion, top 10 album of the 70s. One of the best albums ever, like in the top 100 albums of all time, for sure. Just song after song is just like you know, no skips on it. Obviously the title track band on the run, I think is just one of the the best rock songs of all time for sure. But then you have other just absolute jams on there like jet, Mrs. Vanderbilt, let me roll it, which is such like a cool, like little, like slower, like mid tempo one with some really, really nasty distorted guitars in there. Uh, And then you have 1985 too towards the end of the album as well, which is just the most, one of the coolest piano riffs that Paul McCartney's ever come up with. And just the, the production on the album's cool. And there's a really cool backstory to it. Also, I think I mentioned this on an episode last season, potentially, or maybe we were just talking about it, you and I, at some point, but when I read in um, Jeff Emmerich, who was the Beatles sound engineer, and then he ended up working with McCartney on some of his, his post Beatles records, namely band on the run uh, in his book, he tells a story about, So they ended up recording the album in Lagos because Paul wanted to record it just outside of of Britain, outside the UK to to get away. And so he had looked at the various studios uh, for, I believe it was with EMI that they had throughout the world. And he wanted to go somewhere way out there, way exotic and different. And so they ended up doing Lagos. Well, little did they know that the recording studio out there was seriously lacking in terms of equipment that was usable to them. Uh, There wasn't any like air conditioning. So it's like blisteringly hot all the time. There's bugs everywhere, this, that, and the other. But the crazy thing is even beyond that is that while they were there in the pre-production phase of the album, Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney were out walking one night and were robbed and all of Paul's demos for the album were stolen. And so he had to rewrite them from either memory or just completely rewrite new songs for the album. So it's kind of wild to think that the album potentially could have looked pretty different um just given the fact that you know back then it's not like we have the accessibility now where we're able to just like record something on our phone or on a computer or anything like that and so he had lost those tapes was never able to end up getting them back and they ended up still making one of the best albums of all time in which paul did you know damn near everything on that on that record so really great album one of my favorites pretty wild story that goes along with it there too so check out band on the run by by wings stuff all right well taylor next week only two episodes to go before the season begins we are going to have uh, a nice little season preview episode, really detailing the the roster, what this year is going to look like coming up on Monday. And then 
as I had said last time, this is though really a tradition unlike any other for our season premiere episode, season premiere being the, the beginning of the regular season, we are going to be joined once again, as we were last year, by our friends Chad and Anthony of Expected Buffalo, where we're going to go through division by division, do our rankings, talk a little bit about the season, get their insights on what they think is going to end up coming this Saber season. So very excited to welcome Chad and Anthony back for our Thursday episode, which will be dropping a week from today. So make sure you all are tuning into our episodes we have coming up next week. Taylor, before we sign off, do you have any last thoughts or anything you'd like to say? Uh, Go Bills. Go Bills. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows for the great content that they're putting out throughout the week. And last but not least, follow both the Charging Buffalo and the Hockey Podcast Network on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And make sure, again, wherever you're listening to this episode of Straight Up Sabres, you are also following or subscribe to us and you leave us a nice little review or rating we'd very much appreciate it last but not least as taylor said before make sure you're checking out the sponsor of this podcast DraftKings, and use that promo code thpn at checkout again taylor is always right about the things that he predicts that you should spend your hard-earned money on so listen to taylor use that promo code take advantage of the great deals there once again, everybody, thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, previewing the upcoming Sabre season. Once again, this has been Straight Up Sabres. Sabres.